0: DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus.
1: I'm in a period of emotional people.
2: I all the oh, I don't care crap.
4: Think what you know And it's about a time When you get yourself in We
5: are I want to know Something Jesus i think
2: about Everyone you need it. I'll hold in there. Things are bruising I'll have you Seen you wanting you Hey
1: It's a ratio
2: Okay though It's a
3: ratio. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked.
6: (laughs) You're a phenomenal person. I mean, you're legendary. I am a fan of you, my brother.
0: We've had a lot of incredible musicians on this show, which is a joy to me because I love talking to musicians and hearing about people who have that part of their brain just so. Deeply developed, So let's do a special episode. We haven't done this before, but we're very excited about this, where we take pieces that great musicians who've been on this show talked about and build it into a single episode where we are talking about big ideas around how to be a great musician. So let's get into a chorus of amazing musicians who've been on this show talking about music for show this week on tour A show we're talking of Maxwell well, 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 well.
3: I remember trying to set up my MIDI situation which I, I'm sure musicians out there know and remember the time of Cynthy and MIDI and I remember being so depressed because I couldn't get it to work and I was depressed for 24 hours I mean I just like I just just threw my hands up and then went to sleep. And I just was like, I, c- I can't believe I can't put this together. And that's how I knew I cared. And that's, that's pretty much when you know that you are onto something is when it can frustrate you so much just in the process of trying to get it. Um, but for the, for the, how would I say <clears throat> for just the execution part, not the, The result part, not the what's gonna happen part. Will I have a number one record part? No, just you just want to execute. Like you know, I'm sure when you're writing, it's probably the same thing. You just want to execute it. You know, whether you you know turn up on a lot of pages or people start talking about the story, that that's great. That's that's fine, and that's an added plus. But just to be able to execute uh, what you're trying to do was all i cared about and that's all i still care about is execution
0: the studio then is the fun part for you not you keep saying like i'm not about the fame i'm about the studio at executing and i love making the music yeah i love making the music
3: i can say that the pure joy for me is being done with the music and knowing it and performing it because then it's done but the actual constructing of the song and making sure that every note is right and that every word that's chosen, that can be laborious, it can be very arduous for me. And I feel like, am I making the right choice? Am I using the right? So it was actually a really good thing that when Urban Hanks Week came out that it was shelved for a year. So I had a year with a finished record to really look at what it was and make the right decisions about sequencing as everybody else was done and as the record label was figuring out where to fit me in. You know,
0: people... Well, take me inside your music-making process. How, do, how does it go? What do you
3: What do, you do? I mean, it can start in the shower. I mean, it can start with any conversation. Um, you know, working with Hot, sometimes tracks, he comes up with some tracks, and you know, I may add things to the track. But songs happen fast. I mean, I don't like to listen to anything too long. It's just like... The last album, we had two cuts that I did with Stuart Matthewman. I never heard anything. They were all one take, never written down. I'm not trying to be the new Jay Z out here. I'm just saying, I've found in my, as I've grown older, that the first try is the best. It's God really speaking. Really? <clears throat> first take, usually? It can be like that simple. But, you know, but then, the, you know, you have to kind of find the words and the mumbled kind of melody moments and then find the, the structure within some of the chord progressions so that it makes sense in terms of a production I mean you're
0: very much a or are you a very feel person like when it feels right I'll do it rather than yeah. I write from 10 to
3: 12 or whatever yeah I'm a feel person I mean for me if uh it's about going through stuff. I'm trying to, you know, change my process so it's not about coming from sorrow and pain, but that I can kind of be a happy person and still draw from experiences of of, of disillusionment, uh, experiences of disappointment, instead of having to be in constant situations where I'm disappointed, so that I can then be of use creatively to the world. I don't want to have to have a complex to create. <laughs> you know, what wait, who <laughs> <that> makes sense? <laughs>
0: yes, but let's but let's but let's talk about that. That historically you have needed a
3: complex to create. What do you mean? I mean, I mean, just you know, my life in itself. You know, just the idea of having to go out here and you know, put myself in a position where I know that I'll be judged, I'll be judged, criticized, observed. It's very conditional to put yourself in this position. Um. And then when you actually do something of substance, then you're judged based on the last great thing, and then onward and onward and onward, and it never stops. And it's all generational. So, you know, I remember being away for a long time on the scene and, and, you know, just reading things about my relevancy and whether or not I would be relevant. This was like in 2007. And then Pretty Wings comes out. And then... And everyone's cool with you, you know, and then now that's the, that's the bar that you have to sort of work from. Yeah. So it's, people don't really understand that. I mean, I don't work with like a big factory of songwriters. It's pretty much the same people. And then I step out and maybe I work with, you know, Alicia who, you know, I knew it when Alicia she was Keys. 16, you yeah. know, and she was at Columbia, Alicia Keys, sorry for everyone who's out there who doesn't, I'm sure you guys know who she is, um, and, and then there's, of course, you know, working with R. Kelly, who, you know, I mean, he was such a huge movement in, in the 90s. Um, I never got to meet him, even though I, I did a, a song, you know, with him sort of, you know. Um, and that was actually not a bad thing because I had a little bit more control over the music and the way that Fortunate came together. Because um, he was busy, you know, writing other hits for for other people. Yeah, I mean, much. some of the anxiety
0: that you talk about, you know, being judged by other people and sort of things, all artists, a lot of artists go through that. And for some folks, it's debilitating and they don't create or they don't create to their potential. You get those feelings. Somehow you deal with it and you still get to your highest potential. So how do you combat those feelings and get to your greatest potential?
3: ability. Well, if you I feel for me, um you know putting as much emphasis on the music as possible and take and de emphasizing who I am. You know, I obviously we're here to do an interview and find out all these details, but the more I can divorce myself from you being concerned about where I'm from, all the Like who I'm, like all that stuff that everyone wants to know, which has become a very prevalent part of promoting an artist now, where people are pretty much reality shows, um, which is fine. This is the social media era, you know. It's the era of, you know, knowing people's business. I mean, I remember a time where I didn't know what my greatest people that I I didn't know what they were doing. Right. All I know is that that album came. And, you know, there was a two-year break or a three-year or four-year break, and we didn't know anything. Right. And all we had was those songs. Right. Now it's part of the promotion package is, you know, devising some scheme to create some sort of publicity stunt to dating. get people interested into getting involved with you. And then, oh, yeah, the music too. For me, I believe that, you know, when I look at someone like Shade It's been, what, seven years since she put out Soldier of Love. We don't know nothing. Nothing. And that's a special thing. I I hope we can go back to a place where we could just leave people alone and let them be creative people instead of trying to get interested in them to then dissect them, destroy them, and then move on. Tony Braxton on Toray Show. I
0: mean, you are one of the deepest sounding of the superstar <laughs> females, right? Of your That's true. era, anyway, right? That's I mean, true. it's a, So, who were you? Who Who is an influence? Who is an inspiration to you as a as a deeper sounding woman?
6: This is going to sound crazy. Everyone knows it's Anita Baker, but it was also Michael McDonald. Well,
0: okay. Tell me yeah. about Anita Baker and tell me about Michael. I McDonald. know
6: very collective group. Um, Anita Baker. She was a she's a contralto like myself.
0: She's deeper than you, right?
6: I'm probably a little deeper than her.
0: Really? Okay. We're a
6: little deeper, but we're both contraltos. But she could probably reach the same notes that I can, probably. Okay. Um, and she was the only person who was out at the time to sound like me. You had Whitney, whom I love, all these soprano singers, at Mariah. But Anita Baker had that. You bring me joy it was very low and husky. Yeah, she sounded like me, so I gravitated to her immediately.
0: And Michael McDonald.
6: Well, Michael McDonald, because you can't understand anything he says, like myself. <laughs> and but he had his voice sounds like it's in a compressor.
0: What was his big hit?
6: Ah, uh, ah, uh, keep forgetting. Baby. You know that song "Keep Not in Love Anymore." That song,
0: yes, yes, forget, Warren yes. G, yes. But yes, our generation, yeah, yes, I, I, I yeah, I was thinking about about a previous, show, an earlier th- <laughs> yes. Yes. G, show, but yes. G yes, so wait, and wait, was
6: Luther at all? Luther was in there, but he was a tenor, but I could sing him anything he sung, but he had a little bit of height on me, a little bit of that Can, range. can you sing soprano? I break my heart. That one note is soprano. That okay, was second, but. The tone of my voice makes you think it's a tenor.
0: So you you could do that, but contralto is what you are naturally.
6: Contralto gives you a range. You're comfortable here. This is where you're home. But you can go up and you can go down. But here's where you sleep. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I can do some things that's high, especially in my foss. I could do anything. In your what? Foss, my Foss at all. hmm hmm hmm
0: So I mean, was there an, was there an effort to learn how to control? Your voice, like to find that home and to find it in a deeper place than other women who you're listening to were finding theirs?
6: It was always there, but Ellie and Baby, Babyface helped me uh, control it to the upper range. Okay. What does that me do? Mean? That. Uh, like if I was singing songs, they would make the key almost too high to push me to get comfortable with the higher range.
0: Uh-huh. So what did that do?
6: Uh, it, it's almost like exercising a muscle and you take it and you over, over expand it. So it gets comfortable being used to that capacity. Uh, So they would have me sing songs higher than you would expect for me to sing, which were a little uncomfortable at first. And then I got comfortable with singing a little higher than I felt comfortable. They took me out of my comfort zone.
0: So then that made it easier to be, made
6: it easier for me to, uh, my songs are a lot higher than people think though. But you hear the tone and the texture and you think they're lower, but they're not. They're not low. They're not. not really, not really. No.
0: So at your level, yeah. What does a singer do just to prepare? What does practice look like?
6: You know, I really don't warm up before a show. If I, when I did Broadway, I did because that was a different type of singing. So if I'm singing "Bell," I can't sing in this husky Tony voice. So I had to get comfortable with singing "There Goes the Baker" with his tray, like always, the same old bread and rolls to sell. I had to get comfortable singing <laughs> and a Disney voice. So I had to warm up for that. Yeah, yeah, I had to.
0: But so for the stage, for a concert, no, you don't warm never,
6: up ever. But that's come, that comes from church. You, we're gonna have an A and B selection by Tony. You don't get a chance to warm up. You just have to. Sing.
0: You just go out and just... just I just sing, just, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you not talk before
6: you go out? If I'm getting hoarse, I don't speak before shows.
0: But most of the time, that's not a problem. Well, most
6: of the time, no, not really.
0: Do you warm up before the studio?
6: Nope, I just go and sing.
0: As, I mean, is there a time when you're doing scales or practicing in some way? Nope.
6: <laughs> I don't know what that is. So really.
0: I wa- wonder, I mean, like, I mean, everybody has that 10,000 hours, right? That they spend like practicing yes. before they get to be a master. I
6: probably had 30,000.
0: So what, where did you spend that? Like, what were you doing? Was that all in church? Most or? of
6: it was in church. We practiced a lot like the Jackson's practice. You see the movie?
2: Jackson's of course. Epic.
6: We were like that. Like a while our friends were out at the park or playing. We were home rehearsing all the time. F- hours a day.
0: From a young age. From a young age. hours.
6: gosh, maybe to that degree by the time I was ten.
0: So from ten from ten
6: on. I spent more than ten thousand hours, absolutely.
0: At home just singing Mm -hmm. with your sisters. All the time.
6: And they were young, they were babies. So if I was ten, Tamar was a newborn, but we had a group before Tamar was born even.
0: Was this directed by you or your mom. mom?
6: My mom's a singer. She sung opera, so she helped foster us in the singing world.
0: So was she constantly saying, "All right, girls, come on, let's 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 no, sing." No, no doubt. Something.
6: If we sing the wrong note, we would get punished. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. Just like we punished call, in what way? Like really punished. Can't watch television. You can't go outside. My mom, her last name's Jackson, uh-huh. her maiden name, and she is Joe Jackson's first cousin because my mom is no joke.
0: Well, did you get hit?
6: We would get spanking sometimes if we sung the wrong note.
0: You got spankings for singing Absolutely. the wrong <laughs> note? Absolutely.
6: Just like the Jacksons. There's no mystery that my family and I can sing. Well, no tell, me,
0: tell me about a time when you sung the wrong note and you got hit.
6: Got a few of them. Uh, <laughs> let's say we were singing, let's say, harmonizing, and my mom told us to practice the day before. So we'd be ready to sing the next day. And say she saw me on the phone. And I wasn't practicing, so I sung my note and I sung it wrong. I was like, I told you, and you might get a smack on my arm or whatever. <laughs> you were in practice and you were on the phone, no phone for you for the next month. It was like long punishments.
0: <laughs> for singing the long wrong
6: note. Long just like athletes where they were playing sports and their parents were like, you know, managing them or I should say their trainer is the same exact thing.
0: Well, it sounds like James Brown, right? Finding people for missing a note or being late oh, coming yeah. in or. Yeah. Did that intensity make you better or yeah. did it make you oh, retreat?
6: It makes you better because you don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> and then you want to please your parents too at the same time.
0: Let's talk about Breathe again because I yeah. think that is my favorite of your songs. And it's your favorite of it's your favorite songs? Song really?
6: It's my favorite to perform. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, it's, it's deep. It's heavy. And, and t- I think the moment that like, the chorus is not the big moment for me. It's the moment after the chorus. Uh, and I can't stop thinking about, but just that—that—that is—that that yeah. is, that is the hook that crushes yeah. me, and the way you do that line. Thank you. Where were you when you made that record?
6: I was in Atlanta at Doppler Studio. I sung it three times. The first time Daryl Simmons produced it. The sec—the first time Daryl, the second was Babyface, and the last time was La. Because he- Daryl had me singing a little differently because the song was for TLC. Right. At first it was, and I can't stop thinking about. By the way, then just the baby for Tion. That's how it was at first. So Daryl had me sing it like that at first. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. then Babyface said, eh, let me have her sing it again. So he had me sing it differently. And then by the time I got to LA, he said, I need her to sing it how she would sing it. Mm-hmm. And once I sung it my way, he was like, that's what I'm talking about.
0: When you say three times, like you sang it straight through?
6: One day I did it with Daryl. A week later, I did it with Babyface. Straight maybe through. Yeah, I sing maybe four or five takes and I'm done on the song. Some songs. And then maybe a month later I did it with LA because he heard it. It's like, ah, we can make it better. I want her to sing it her way. Just sing it and we'll see what happens.
0: huh So I had so, a
6: lot of creative freedom. It's a new artist.
0: So what we heard is that third take with you LA. Third take with LA. And getting to that that money line. And I can't stop thinking about like how did you get the tone and everything right? You're you're kind of in the back of your mouth. It sounds there, like right? I'm in the
6: back of my throat, but it's just the way my voice sounds. Mm. It was just, I heard the song, I thought it was a beautiful song, I begged for it. They said, well, it's not your song, (laughs) Like, please give me that song. So I was in love with the song when I first heard it, in demo form, because I had an idea how I was going to perform it.
0: Mm -hmm. So you were were coming from where, deep in your chest when you sing? When I
6: sing, I sing from here. I don't sing From from here. From the chest. But sometimes it sounds like I'm from here. Maybe because there's so many marbles in my mouth. Like I remember <laughs> Ellie and Kenny would say, "Okay, the first song I ever sung, Give You My Heart' with Babyface. Remember that song from the Boomerang soundtrack?" So I was singing it. Babyface. Okay, okay, give us a second. Give us a second. So I'm watching through the big mirror, big glass, and then it's okay, Tony. We need you to sing that again, but um, we can't understand what you're singing. <laughs> what are you saying? Okay, can you give us some conjunctions and or or give us something so we can understand it. But be you, be you. Of mm. course, that put pressure on me. So I managed to get a few conjunctions so you could understand some of the lyrics in between. But they kind of helped me get my sound because then after that, I started to enunciate every word. So enunciate every word. I said, no, 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 don't do that. Still be you. Just give us a few <laughs> things in there, a noun or two. And that's how I kind of got my Be sound.
0: you, but be different.
6: Be you, but be somebody else. Kind of, yeah.
0: Big Daddy Kane is one of the greatest MCs
2: of all time. I went out and bought um, Marvin Gaye, Barry White, and James Brown um, VHSs. And I really studied them and tried to incorporate a lot of their elements into my stage show.
0: Well, what did you, I mean, can you talk about what elements from them that you you really grabbed on and, and used?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, Marvin just had a certain swagger on stage. You know, he just had a certain coolness and he just moved gracefully, you know, like normally, you know, you see a hip hop dude, you know, it's, you know, that's, that's, that's the energy. That's, that's what we do, you know, but I tried to have that, you know, that Marvin swagger, that graceness, you know, just let it flow. You know, um, that's something that I really picked up for him. And then in performance smooth operator, I com- completely stole his let's get it on move. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. You I mean, know. The, the
0: the the depth and quality of your voice it really overpowers the records. You know, as soon as you start talking, you're completely focused on that cane sound. Um, which reminds me of of Barry White and how you just love you could listen to both you guys just listen to you read the phone book.
2: Oh uh, well, I mean, I was I was I was tuned into Barry's style before my voice changed. My voice didn't really change until I think I was twenty, because um, my voice was a lot higher. If you listen to the first album, um, I think it changed like right after the release of the second album. That's when my voice, like, really started changing. Um, But um, with Barry, you know, he was just cool, you know, and he had a certain way of, you know, connecting with people in the crowd. It could be just one little small thing, you know, just pointing to them or just saying something to them. You know, he could have, you know, um, like, you know, he could have been singing the regular words of the song right there, right there, and then pointing to someone in the crowd. Hey there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like stuff like that, you know, just where, you know, you got, now you got them involved, you know?
0: Were there things that you took from them that you brought to the records, like just in the studio and in, in the
2: writing? Um, well, writing wise, I mean, uh, I was really like a student of Grandmaster Caz from the Cold Crush Brothers. And, um, Smokey Robinson, you know. Um, uh, I, I like listening to the pioneers from the late 70s. Well, I mean, you know, they, they early 70s, I mean, when I heard them, it was late 70s when I heard them, you know. Um, like uh, Kumo D, Grandmaster Kaz, Melly Mel, you know, listening to those guys, it was like, you know, they were like the top three. And um, Kaz just had this certain swagger, just remind you, of that, that, that Brooklyn barbershop talk, yeah. pool hall talk, you know, slick talk and stuff. and, and I just really admired, dude. So I learned a lot from listening to Kaz. And as far as um, putting words together and clever thinking, I learned a lot from Smokey Robinson and Chris Christopherson. I Chris
0: Christofferson. Of- okay, yeah,
2: yeah. Okay.
0: all right, yeah, I liked, I liked him in the seventies. I mean, now you're, I mean, your pen was more complex than anybody before you. Like you were in an era of like you and Rakim who like, you know, and cool G rap who advanced the level of complexity to a level that we had not seen before. Um, what were you trying to do as a writer? Cause you're, you know, you're just bringing in a whole different level of sonic complexity than we had ever had.
2: I mean, honestly, just introduced the world to me, you know, <laughs> like for real, really just introduced the world to me, just open my mind, um, you know, to them, you know, uh, you know, I grew up as a fan of hip hop, um, you know, since probably like 75, you know, when cats was at the age of one, my life begun, you know, those type of rhymes, you know, and to see what it became, um, Thanks to Melly Mel, where brothers started really start. They started using their own voice, and the you know the, like lyrical content really you know stepped it up. You know, I mean, just just seeing that, I mean, it was like just monumental to me. So, I mean, I felt like I wanted to um, you know really bring those type of dynamics to the game, you know, and uh, you know, just you know, just 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 really open my mind my mind up to people so they can see the way I think, you know,
0: Were you a big reader as a kid? Is that, I mean, like, cause you had the the vocab and the, the way of putting it together in a complex way. And, um, like, like, yeah, were you a big reader or?
2: Yeah, I was, I was, I, w- I definitely was. Um, uh, but on then, you know, also, um, in school, you know, I, I was, um, at, at the time I was, you know, real good in English as well. So, um, you know, there was just something that I thought was just important. And especially like, you know, when, when you're at a park jam and you, you know, um, like, I don't, I don't I, uh, like, you know, in Brooklyn back in the seventies, you know, you see them, they, they throw on love is the message or they throw on bra and you see the mic line form and cats getting the mic line to rhyme. And everybody get up there and you see they cuffing the mic and they, you know, like, and you can't really hear them, you know, because they in the mic like this, you know, and, you know, a lot of cats, you know, like, you know, you know, the weed smokers and the 40 ounce drinkers, you know, they, 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 you know, they might be a tad bit slurred, so you can't really understand them. So that was something that was very important to me because, you know, just watching like um, R&B vocalists, it was like clarity was just You know, so I've really, really, that meant something to me. I felt like that was so important, you know. And then also, you know, Marvin Gaye had a habit of holding a mic down here. He never really had it up here. His mic would be down here, you know. So that was just something that was just really important to me through my career.
0: Okay, so what do you think is your strength as an MC?
2: What is the... Just lyrics, writing lyrics. Verses. Yeah. That's something that, you know, I can, you know... I can do you know um you know in my sleep man um, because um the way my mind thinks because I'm always all over the place um so therefore I can put something together that'll be incredible for me I can put something together that'd be incredible for you you know um you know I mean if I listen to 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 your style, you know I can come up with something in your style you know what I mean you know so I mean yeah, that's my thing.
0: I mean, your lyrics are, are, are you know, top rate, but sometimes it's just the way that you spit the words, the rhythm in between the beat that makes it so fly. Um, and so I wonder just about developing that sense of rhythm within the beat that can make Almost a- average words sound fly as hell just because of the way you dropped them in between the beat or on the beat or or behind the beat or whatever whatever you were choosing.
2: I mean, that's. I think that's just a Brooklyn thing, man. For real. I mean, I I think that you know, uh, I think Brooklyn MCs just know how to em- embrace a beat like no other. Like they 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 get on some real. Ella Fitzgerald type of thing and they just Mm. fall into it like an instrument, you know? Um, I mean, you look at Fabulous, Jay-Z, Biggie, and you could even go prior to me. You look at Ecstasy from Houdini, rest in peace, um... You look at Disco Richie from Divine Sounds, even Jimmy Spicer. When everybody else, you know, in you know, in the early years, was everybody was all like, you know, a keyboard, a to the blade. You know, Jimmy Spicer, he was doing that too, but he still break away with some. This DJ, he gets down mixing records while he go around. You know, that's that Brooklyn thing. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a thing we just become an instrument. You know, on, on the track.
0: Yeah, that's the, one of the things that I love about emceeing is when you become that instrument within the track you're a drum within the track and sometimes my first or second time through listening to an emcee's record you're not really getting all the words but you're hearing the rhythmic relationship to the track and the way you are percussive within the track and that will like draw you in to where i'm like okay i want to learn and listen to all these words because the way that he's spitting
2: it is so dope. Yeah. I mean, that's that's something that I actually learned a little later, um, exactly how to make it make it work. I mean, it's something that came natural, but I learned how to really control it um, um, in the early 90s um, after um, working with Quincy Jones. You know, um, like when he was telling me like a lot of jazz vocalists um, would fall into the track and follow the piano. And he was saying how Ella Fitzgerald, like with her, she used to try to, um, her scatting thing, she would try to like do it like a horn. Like she was like, her right. movement was like a horn section, you know? Right. So I was like, hmm. So, I mean, that's something that, you know, like when I'm writing, if I want to change up the flow... I might, you know, hum it out in a horn fashion before I put it in words, you know.
0: Morris Day was one of Prince's best friends from back when they were teenagers. I want to jump into what to me is one of the greatest moments of the 80s, which is the making of Jungle Love, because it is an amazing record. And there's just so much energy and funk and it's a really special record and I imagine it's not the kind of thing you just roll into the studio and make and leave like you got to like you know deal with that and get the vibe and get the ad-libs right and just get every you know get the whole thing so take me to you know tell me the story of recording Jungle Love.
5: Well Jungle Love uh kind of came together in stages um you know everybody in our camp would from time to time uh submit Grooves uh, to prince and uh jesse johnson get, sent him this bass line and he he dug it so um the next thing you know um we're you know in there listening to it, and um you know he comes up with the uh with the whole jungle love concept and uh we just uh hopped in the studio man and started uh uh creating you know but
0: i mean like the energy on that. I mean, like, I know that it was... It, was it special in the studio when you were making that?
5: It it was. Um, you know, we always, you know, the, the, the whatever energy we had going, you know, and it was just one of those kind of days where, you know, we were, like, uh, on a creative high. Everybody was uh, upbeat and... Um, you know, um, feeling the track, and it just it just kind of came together like that. You know, it was just one of the magical moments.
0: So but you he, were not yet a
5: front man. You weren't a front man yet. Not at all. Uh, not at all. I just sat, stand there and sing the song. So I said, I don't even know what I would do as a lead singer of a band. And he said, just put your hand in your pocket and be cool. And that's what I did. If you watch the cool video, my right hand does not come out of my pocket. The whole song. <laughs> <laughs> so after we started going on tour, you know, I started adding to my repertoire. And I started doing a little <laughs> little extra here and there. And it just kind of came together. Because you've become one
0: of the great frontmen of the decade. Super suave, alpha, pimply, you know, persona, ego. I mean, like, you know, by the time we get to Purple Rain... Uh, You know, we cannot take our eyes off of Morris Day. So, I mean, you know, it really came together.
5: Yeah, it did. And, you know, um, that was just from years of boot camp. By the time we got to 84, when the movie came out, um, since we're assigned to Prince's production company, and once we started going on tour with him, first of all, the rehearsals were rigorous. We would rehearse around the clock. And then um, go out and do the shows and we do uh, months at a time and come back and rehearse some more. And each time we went out, every time I stepped on stage, I realized something different in myself and uh, how to, you know, how I wanted to com- convey myself and and come across um, as an artist, you know, and I just kept adding and, you know, and. And you do little things, and people like it. And you put that in the in the spank bank and save it for later, and do it again. You know. Mm.
0: When did the Jerome part arise? Of you know, your side man is your butler, and he comes out on stage with a mirror, and you <laughs> comb your hair in the middle of the groove. And like, <laughs> like when did and like nobody? I never seen anything like that. When did that start?
5: <laughs> that uh. That kind of happened, you know, just we were at rehearsal and we were rehearsing to go back out on tour. We'd already been out and Jerome wasn't in the band. He was a valet for real. He used to uh, get the band's bags and set them out and make sure the dry cleaning and all of that. um, That was his gig. And so we're at rehearsal at this little raggedy rehearsal studio in Southside, Minneapolis. And um, I get to the part in the song where I say, somebody bring me a mirror. And Jerome jumps up, he starts looking around, and he runs and grabs this mirror off the wall and brings it up to me and holds it up in front of me. And it was just one of them moments. We all kind of stopped and started looking at each other. <laughs> we were like, this is going to be a part of the show. And so Jerome was in <laughs> from, yeah, he was in from that moment.
0: Just just ingenuity. <laughs> um, Timing. You know, a lot of people, uh, yeah, a lot of people have talked about how um, the Morris Day character and and the time was another way of Prince uh, getting out a certain side of him that was too much. It was too street. It was too you know like nigga. It was too pimply for what he was trying to do in his music. Um, how much of it? is that how much of that stew that is you with the Morris Day in the time, how much of it is Prince saying, Hey, I want y'all to be this. And how much of it is you saying like, I want to be
5: this. Well, when it, when it started, it was a lot uh, of an alter ego situation for Prince um, because he had some songs already laying around. Uh, Get it up was one of them. And, um, you know, I, I just thought that, when I heard that, I was so funky, it was, you know, I, I said, uh, we got to do that song on the record. So early on, there were songs that he had cut for himself and set aside um, that we ended up using. And um, so it started out being an alter ego situation for him. And then it turned out to be a Frankenstein monster situation for him because, you know, Mm. It, once, once he got us up and going, then you know we started growing, you know, as as a band and as as performers and and even as musicians because we were now putting in more rehearsal time uh, than than we had ever. So um, it started out alter ego, and then it turned into a uh, competition. <laughs> mm, mm.
0: What, what do you mean a competition between the time and and, and,
5: and the revolution? Absolutely, because uh, when we would go out, you know, we had 30 minutes to uh, speak our piece on stage. You know, do what you're going to do. You got 30 minutes. And we start putting together these super tight sets. And then, you know, uh, a couple of times people came up after the show and they'd be like, man, y'all kicked Prince's ass tonight. And, you know, that started to happen a little more often than he was comfortable with. So uh, that's when, mm-hmm. the yeah, that's when the competition uh, started to really kick
0: in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you, did you, so when you started to really beat him more than a little bit, how did he respond?
5: Well, he started changing up his set, you know, just in in a competitive way. You know, he started trying to figure it out. And don't get me wrong, you know, Prince... <laughs> You know, uh, you know, I don't have to say, you know, was an awesome performer. So there was nights where he would just step off in our ass, too. So it was a give and take. But I just think it helped us. Yeah, it helped us all be better. India Ari
0: is an amazing, legendary modern singer. What do you love about singing?
1: That's a good question. What do I love about singing? So I have to say, to answer this, I have to say something that I wish I I always wished I could do, which is dance. Because when I see people dance, I always think that must feel awesome to be able to like feel like you're flying like that or, you know, whatever it feels like when you can really dance like that. When people can really dance, like they look light on their feet, they look like they're flying or something. And for me, singing is kind of like that, like you love the sound of a trumpet or The sound of a certain instrument or even the sound of a certain bird or the wind or the ocean, like you like those sounds. It's really a special feeling in your body to be able to make a sound from your body that you think is beautiful. And I don't, I never think of it like um, dang, I can sing. Oh, I'll be singing. I don't think of it like that. I just think that feels good and it feels right ever since I was very young. And I had very strong likes and dislikes with people's voices and the way that they sing, because sometimes people don't have are not like Patty LaBelle all up and down the scale to be great singers are just something that you just feel from people. And I've had that sense about people since I was very young. Like For example, Sade, she sings kind of right here, but she makes you feel a lot. And I just I know that there's something about that person when they have that capacity. And so I just like being able to make it beautiful Me a sound that is authentic for my body, Uh, (laughs) and for this, for the last twenty years, I had a single-minded focus about what I wanted to achieve because of feeling like I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm make music is what I do. It's not I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be something I'm not. I didn't want to just be famous. I didn't want people to just look at me. So I got to find something to do while they're looking at me. I am a musician. I'm a singer. I'm a, I had things that I needed to say for my well-being, things I needed to say. And the, the honor of having an audience there that wants to listen is the thing that my mother made sure I was not robbed of. And so even when I learned the days of the week um, in elementary, in preschool, my mother wrote a song called India's Song. To teach me the days of the week. What was the song? And so I'm. It, uh, it, it goes, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I am one week older, starting new on Monday. When I get home from my school, I will go to play. Starting each and every morning, it's a brand new day. <laughs> and we would sing it every day going to school. That's how I learned my days of the week, and so my mom has a lot to do with everything that I've been able to accomplish. And also I think it's imp- what has been important to my image. Uh, or, I mean, every artist has to have an image for people to hold on to, you know, it's a part of your aesthetic and part of your success and being able to have a look that was all my own. Like when people say like that Indiari look, cause for a few years there, I thought everybody liked what I like. I didn't realize they were dressing like me for a little era and that look like with no black, full color, flower, like the things I was wearing and all that stuff was because my mom was like, what do you want? I literally had like a personal designer like Prince. And I used to say, I used to joke, I have a personal designer like Prince. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I actually have a personal designer like Prince. And it's my mom. So there's like love sewn into My mother could make the biggest gown overnight because she was like, my daughter needs it. And she would just do it all the time. And so... I'm, I'm here because she taught me in explicit and non-explicit and all the other ways that I could be here. Do you have perfect pitch? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I mean, I think I sing on key, but as far as like somebody play a note and I'll go, oh, that's a E. I don't think I have that. No, <laughs> I might have never thought about it.
0: But you always knew that you were better than everybody around you?
1: It wasn't like a, I just know. It was like we would sing in the hall. Again, I was like very shy, very to myself. I was the weird girl in school always. I had different clothes and different hairs. I was like always off to myself. And I would hear girls in the hallway who had like the real fiery personalities and they'd be singing in the hallway and singing. And I remember I'd listen to them and be like, what are they doing? But what is she doing? <laughs> you know, then I would play around like, cause what any singer that I know, when you walk into a room that has great acoustics, you automatically start singing. You just, la cause the acoustics are nice in there. And I would do something like that in gym class or something. And all the girls would be like, "That that weird girl can sing. Like, I was like, it was like that. And I just never sang around anyone. I didn't talk about singing. I kept it to myself, but I knew that I could do something they couldn't do.
0: Tell me about, writing a song how do you write a song
1: I don't first of all I don't know (laughs) Um, second I usually start with something that I want to say but also third I start with a feeling inside like if I hear chords that give me a certain feeling then I try to find words that match the feeling but I don't know how to. I feel like I would be. I would be more prolific if I had a system. Where I would go. This is what I do. Do do. It's funny. Um, you didn't ask me this, but there is one song. There. There are a couple. Like I said, there are a couple times when I've written. I had a melody and put lyrics in, and there's one song in particular called "Good Morning." Um. Like I had the melody and put the words in. And that ended up being one of my most dynamic songs, production-wise. Like, there's a string break, and the strings are dissonant, and it's like
6: <clears throat> and it
1: goes like all these places.
0: Anything could happen. How do you combine meditation and songwriting?
1: I think when we were talking about meditation and sports, that at its simplest, at its foundation, meditation is a way to calm your nervous system. So when you do that, before you dive into your craft, it gives you a space where you're allowing the art to emerge instead of trying to push it out. You don't try to make songs when you're relaxed, you allow it to emerge. And that, if there is anything that is a formula for me, it's that when I don't meditate first, I, I'm, it just doesn't work, but I had to figure that out. Like I just kind of figured it out over the years. Like nobody taught me that, I just, started doing it somehow. Um, I started realizing I was doing it and realizing what happened when I didn't do it. So even when Stevie asked me to write A Time to Love, I was very nervous because of Stevie Wonder and I wanted it to be great. And I remember remember going into meditation and like I said, a prayer and I went to meditation and I wrote the song and it all came out really easy. But it wasn't that moment where I was like, ah, that's how you do that. It wasn't like that, but just over the years, I would do it again. Sometimes I didn't, sometimes I did. I would say over the last eight years, it's become a practice, like a formula. And it never fails me. I never get writer's block when I do it that way. Never, never. It just works.
0: Um, Last thing, what is your superpower? What is the thing that you do better than other people (laughs) that has led to all of your success?
1: I think that I'm incredible genius. No. Um, (laughs) That'd be ridiculous if I said that. I think, how do I say that? I think that I am a courageous feeler. I'm willing to feel my feelings and feel things. I'm willing to feel things that hurt. I'm willing to feel, I'm willing to feel my feelings. And I think that gives me the gift of being able to convey emotion in a song in a way that not everyone can. And I think the emotional connection to my music is what my true, um, the true lovers of my music connect to. It's not because they like my style or that I'm the greatest singer. I think it's the emotional connection. And I don't think that every, I'm not saying that every artist does not have people who connect with them emotionally. Uh, but what I am saying is I think why this is my superpower is that I am able to actually put convey emotion.
0: What does eating healthy mean to you? T H R I V E market dot com slash Tore Thrive market dot com slash Tore.
1: I don't know how to say that. I think my my superpower is the ability to truly convey emotion through music in a way that people see themselves in it and they see less me and more them is what I think. Because I hear people all the time like, how do you do that? Like you say the things I want to say. And I, I do that because it's emotion and not like a thought.
0: Corinne Bailey Ray. It's really interesting to talk with somebody who's really, really intelligent about music, about her music. It definitely seems like she's listened to Billie Holiday.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I absolutely love her. And I didn't discover her till I was a teenager. Um it was there was one of those adverts on TV. You might not have had them in America, but we had this thing where you could go to the post office, you know, and then you got like a binder and it was jazz great. So the first one was Billy Holiday. And that was that was the cheapest because it was the first one. And that was like, I don't know, 199 And, you know, my family, we didn't have and that's when we were growing up, the three of us, we didn't really have spare money, you know, because it was three girls and um so the fact that it was this singer and it was cheap and I could just go up the street and get it. I was just like, Mom, ma'am, I've just heard of this singer and she's got, my mum was like, I love Billie Holiday. And I have seen this film with um, Dinah Ross where she's played by Billie Holiday. And it's like, well, we've never listened to Billie Holiday before, you know, we didn't have any of her records. So that it was really revolutionary to me of like, you can sing, but you can bend up to notes. I had always had to do that because I have never been able to just land. Like here's my, like right in the middle of the target intonation. And so it was, I loved hearing it, but my first response was like, how come I didn't hear this voice when I was seven or eight or 10 or 12 or when it would have made me feel a different way about my own singing? So it's instantly, it made me feel a different way about the sound I could make. Because up until then, I would be listening to like Emotions by Mariah Carey and thinking, why? You know, (laughs) it's like, (laughs) I, I want to sound like that, but I just, I can't get that sound to come out. I've got this, There's this texture around my voice that I just can't get rid of. So, yes, hearing Billie Holiday was a a big thing for me.
0: It's funny to hear you say that you sort of uh, envied Mariah. I mean, Mariah is like an extraordinary athlete, but you're a real singer, like a real singer. And, And there's a lot of things that you can do with your voice. I don't think of your voice as like, she's limited and she's getting by on like personality or, oh, like, <laughs> but you know, oh, well, that's
4: like, good. I mean, I guess everyone feels like funny about their own instrument or whatever. And I feel like I've definitely come into it. And, and on my best days when it's like I've slept, I'm rested. I don't have a cold. I feel when I get to sing it, it feels to me like flying. It's like an out of body experience. It's like I'm in front of the audience, but I'm not really there. I'm just, in my total element you know and then when the song finishes or people clap I am always kind of like sort of shaken out of it because on a on a really good show um where I guess the audience is really with us and and I feel like I can do what I love to do then it it does really click in you know I feel like I'm not a natural performer like I'm not the sort of person that goes to a party and it's like right everyone I'm here (laughs) <laughs> let the fun commence you know like I'm the center of attention I'm going to regale you with stories and um I don't really feel like I'm that person so I, I can't I feel like I can't turn it on is what I'm trying to say and I've been at I've been at plenty plenty of things now you know especially tv shows where it's like here's your two minutes and 30 seconds you know and you're just like Aah! exactly I just get terrified but when I've got that it's an hour, it's an hour and a half and I get to walk on stage and you hear that applause and then you think, right, we're here. And you kind of like, I don't know, take the energy from that moment. Then I really feel like something just happens, you know, when, when the the music comes together, and you know, we always play live, we don't use backing tracks, we don't use click tracks. So I always feel it's just anything could happen. And that kind of focuses me in a way that I can't get in any other context, you know, even the studio. So,
0: Tell me about writing a song. How do you write a song?
4: How do I write a song? I, most of the time when I write songs, I guess until recently, most of the time I've written songs, I'll have my guitar and I'll just be finding shapes, finding shapes, finding shapes, playing chords. And when I hit on some, and I'll be singing out at the same time, and sometimes like, one line will come out and i'll think oh i really like that you know it, i haven't really I haven't planned it ahead so it's like it'll happen that i'll hit a certain chord and i'll sing a certain line with some words and a melody and then i think right that's my that's my fragment or whatever like that's my sort of golden piece and then i'll just keep going and keep going and then i might get like a little chain of those and when i've got something that i feel is it might be just like a bit of a verse or a bit of a chorus or a bit of a bridge. And then it's a case of trying other things to see if it fits or, you know, I ha- I have had things before, especially more harmonically simple things. Um, there's something in my last record called uh, a song called Walk On where it did all just come out in one go because it's just literally I'm playing two chords on the piano. I don't play the piano. So it's like I'm just plonking my hands and remembering plonk it there and then put it here. But this thing's coming out more like a sort of stream of consciousness. Um, And that's how I tend to write, just kind of letting things flood out. I guess there's other situations where I write with people. And, you know, sometimes that's successful if I can feel comfortable and, and confident. And then there's other times where it's like the thing in me that comes out, just kind of hides away, you know, and then it's, then it's, it makes it difficult, you know, when Mm. it's like that. Yeah. And then, and then more recently I've, I've been writing, I've been writing this record where I'm sort of responding to these objects. So, and I didn't set out to do it, but I just saw, I was in this art space and I saw something. And then when I left, I realized that I was thinking about the, it was, this thing was a pot, you know? So I was, I was just thinking about this pot, you know?
0: Are you always open or is it like, okay, now I'm getting into album mode now I need to be like open to the universe and to inspiration.
4: I feel like I'm always open to it. I mean, if I'm on a really full on tour where, where it's just like, got gotta eat, got to sleep, got to get on this plane. Gotta, blah, 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 I'm less likely to be in the mode of like, yeah, I'm looking at leaves. But then sometimes even when you, are you know, a, a good long um, plane journey will do it, you know, where, especially before you had Wi-Fi on planes or whatever, it's just like, I'm tired, I've had a little sleep, I've had some food, and now my brain's just, you know, 10 more hours to go. I feel like your imagination just helps to entertain you. So sometimes it I've got so many, like, voice notes of like, ah, you know, just like singing little, like, things that when I go back to them, they don't make any sense, but at the time on the way to Japan, like seven hours into the flight, I just have to get it down. It's like mostly background noise, but then something in there, like some melody that I'm like, yeah, I need to do something with this.
0: But you're in album mode now, right?
4: Yes, I'm in album mode now. I mean, I'm quite far into this record that I'm writing. I guess I'm closer to finishing it, I guess.
0: Wow. How many songs are done?
4: Yeah. It always takes me a long time to make re- records because I, because I write them and because I'm producing as well, and that's it's always a bit of a sore point, I guess, with people that I work with. But I really like making, I really like making music. To me, that's a massive fun part of it. Like you've written the song, but you think, well, is this bit going to be strings, or is this bit going to be synths, or is this bit going to be a choir, or is this bit going to be? just me and the we're dropping out the drums or is it gonna be this amazing drum I know or are we gonna program it or are we gonna have horns or is it gonna be is it gonna be guitar takes and then how many guitar takes we're gonna do and then is it gonna be crazy delays or how are we gonna make it? is it gonna be a stock or is it gonna be like weird reverb world like all of those questions to me are fascinating and fun and I like to play and I like to get it wrong and you know, I've definitely made stuff where I feel like I haven't got it right, you know, and maybe someone else would have done a better job of producing it. But at the same time, that to me is, that's so much of the fun of it. And I have tried it the other way around. And, you know, especially being on a labor, it's like, this person is, you know, it's like that Zoolander thing where it's like, this person is so hot right now. You know, if you work with X, everything's going to be, you know, so... And frequently, I feel bad for that person, but whoever X is, is busy. The, the person who ever is X at that time is so busy that even if they just loved you and they were like, I really want to produce your record. You know, I've been in situations with people like who are literally like the hottest thing on the planet. It's like, right. Let's write a song together, and okay. So they're in the studio. They may or may not be several hours late, and then when you get there, it's like right. Let's let's work on this, and and then like maybe forty-five minutes into it, they're like, okay. When you get some ideas, you tell Jeff, okay. Jeff's going to record them, and I'm going to be down the hall because I've got another artist in this studio. And I'm going to be working with them. But then when you get your thing and you're just like, i the thing that's in me that can create just hides away at that moment. It's not even like um, I feel offended. I just feel like I just don't know how to do it like that. You know, I just don't know how to do it like that. So I have had a few run-ins with people who are just like in the white heat of success and trying to mesh with them is so hard and just, you know, it just always seems to go wrong for me. So
0: thank you so much to listening to this special episode. Toray show, of course, gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality. And maybe this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jennifer Ford. Our editors, Ryan Woodhull. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington and Nick Karp. And our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down.